let your feet rest for a minute before we stand and light candles and, and sing some carols. I'm going to just make a few comments about the verses that Trey read for us. Uh, there's something about that song we just sang that every time we sing it, it feels right to me. And there are some things I don't have, even though I'm a word person, I don't have the right language to explain. But just something feels right about saying those words. Uh, as you will see in the text we're just about to look into, those words were not composed by Beethoven or uh, Handel or Bach or uh, Mick Jagger. Uh, those, words, those words were composed in heaven. Uh, it was not human beings that sang that song originally. That is an angel song that you just sang. Those are their words that they used to talk about the God that they have known for a long, long time becoming man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've been watching the news a little bit this week and uh, just seeing what's going on in the economy and in Congress and, and, and all over the, the country. I had to turn it off because I was getting depressed and switch over to the Hallmark Channel where it always snows and everybody falls in love. Uh, and as I was just watching the news, all, my one takeaway was this. We're living in a moment in history when the world desperately needs Christmas. Uh, the, uh, some of you were asking me about the themes of Advent uh, ju just a few weeks ago. Uh, the weeks of Advent are all themed, and the, the themes of Advent are hope and peace and joy and love. If there's four things this world needs, it's hope and peace and joy and love. If you were to ask me, Pastor, what's essential to a happy life? Hope. You have to get up in the morning and have something to look forward to. You have to believe that things are going to work out right. You have to believe that God is going to fix the mess the world's in. You have to believe that God is at work. You have to believe that better days are ahead. That's, that's hope. I think hope's essential to, to a good life. Peace and joy and love. This time of year is the perfect time to reflect and to sing about uh, themes, Christian themes, that for 51 weeks of the year we don't normally sing about. There's a lot of things that once we get to January, you, you won't hear much singing about angels and, and, and babies being born in a manger. Those themes are really in the Christian calendar reserved for this season. I'll talk more about angels in a minute, but my favorite Christmas song, uh, we were talking this week among some of the staff members, you know, what's your favorite song and what's the earliest Christmas you can remember? I think I was about four or five. That's about as far back as I could go, and I remember some of the gifts I got. Uh, my favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night, which we're going to sing uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, I've been just driving the staff crazy because I've got a big stereo with a subwoofer up there in my office. And, and so I've been playing Oh Holy Night like in 37 different flavors, like Il Devo and Celine and Carrie Underwood. And same song, just a different artist. And I just put it on a loop and let it play while I'm studying and, and preparing. And uh, uh, there's something about the words to that song. It's just my opinion. But those words fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Something about God is touching man on this night. This is a divine night. Oh, night 
when Christ was born. All week I've been thinking about the words that as I've been looping it upstairs in the office. And one of the things I just thought about, you know, it do, your posture in worship does matter. And it just made me wonder again if maybe I don't need a little more kneeling in my personal worship with God. You say, well, does God demand it? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Maybe I need to do it. Not that God needs to see me subservient before Him, but maybe there's just something in me that connects better with God if I can close the door and get down on my face for a few minutes and say, God, I'm just going to humble myself before You as I think about what You've done for me and in my life. And the same way that I reflect on how Christmas affects me, it affects you in some unique ways as well. And you know it does. Certain songs will get you. Certain smells and colors. And you'll walk by the tree and see certain ornaments maybe your kids or your grandkids made. There's just little things happening all around us at this season that are triggering thoughts and memories and hopefully triggering some renewed connection to God. The gospel writers were not that much different than us. Matthew has one take on this. Uh, I'll send a devotion out tomorrow morning. If you want to spend a few minutes in the Word and devotion tomorrow, it's going to come right to your mailbox. Luke has a different take on some of the Christmas story. John says, let's skip Christmas and go right to Jesus is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. He goes right to the incarnation in a different way. But tonight, for a few minutes, I want to just challenge you with Brother Luke, because Brother Luke is the one that has the story that has the angels in it. Brother Luke is the one telling the story that's got the shepherds in it, and most of what you know about the Christmas story, and the world knows about the Christmas story, is coming from the account that Brother Luke made. He's not writing to a Jewish audience, he's writing to a Gentile audience, And so he makes the story in some particular way relevant and and connectable to us. And he wants to tell you how Jesus Christ, how God, became a man in order to be the king of the world. Trey, if you'll let me, I'm just going to recap part of what you said. Here's the first Christmas congregation. There were shepherds living in the fields. That's really the first Christmas worship service was not with baptized church members coming together with their family on a night like this. The real first Christmas church service was essentially a group of shepherds in the fields about to have a divine encounter. Brother Luke quickly tells us in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, if anybody was raised in the country, and many of you were, it's not like the city at all. When it gets nighttime here in Fort Worth, it never gets dark. You with me? For those of you who are raised in the country, and I know you know who you are, uh, when it gets dark in the country, it gets dark. And when you're a shepherd living out at uh, 4 B.C. or 4 A.D., and there's no light pollution... And heaven opens into earth and angelic beings come down and glory and light start shining around. That'd be like you encountering a UFO out on a dark trek one night. Uh, it was terrifying to, to these shepherds. Now, so we've got shepherds now and now we've got angels. Now, we're curious about a lot of things in this story. 
At least I'm curious about a lot of things in this story, and I'm a curious fellow. I want to know why God involved shepherds. I, I, it, God's in, sitting back saying, okay, I'm going to send my son into the world. We're going, to, we're going to announce his arrival to shepherds. I don't know if you could in your mind imagine the lowest dregs of society. Uh, I'm sure you love all people, but I mean, you still, even though we don't have a caste system, you understand there are some tears to society. There are haves and there are have-nots, even in America. We are the country of the great middle class, but you do understand there's something above the great middle class, and there's something below the great middle class. When God said, I'm going to send my son into the world, I'm going to have some witnesses at this event, and they're going to have a worship service, and they're going to go make some announcements. Why in the world did God choose shepherds? They were the most lowly, uh, the lowest rung of society in the Jewish world. You have to wrestle with that, and you have to ask yourself, why did it happen this way? God's going to send His King, and His King is going to be announced by the lowest class of society. Why exactly did God bypass the religious leaders? Why exactly did God bypass King Herod? Why exactly did God pass the Caesars of Rome and the governors that ruled Israel? Why did God pass? Why is there no UN delegation coming to the manger to say, we just got word, we're here, we sent all the big shots down to bear witness and certify that God has done the big thing He's been planning. No, God chose shepherds to be His messengers. If you are going to be a witness, God expects that you're going to... Let me say this very carefully. If you're going to encounter Christ personally, God expects that you're going to tell somebody about your encounter. Now, you just apply that to you. But when God revealed this to the shepherds on this Christmas night, He had some expectation that the thing would be so fantastic that the shepherds wouldn't be able to keep their mouths shut, that they're going to run all over creation and say, you'll never believe what just happened. You talk about the crazy, we're sitting out here in the dark watching these sheep and the light breaks forth from heaven and angels came down and proclaimed and we went to bear witness. That's exactly what God expects to happen. Uh, I want to challenge you. If you've witnessed, if you have personally met Jesus Christ, you must let someone know about what you've experienced. God expects you not just to be a consumer in this age of consumerism, God expects you to be a proclaimer. Now, you don't have to be a John the Baptist or Bobby Harrell or the Sermonator. You can do it in a very non-threatening, uh, non-bombastic way. Uh, you be you. You do you the way you do you. But with love, let someone know. Let someone know that you know Jesus Christ, God's only Son. You say, well, Pastor, why did God use the shepherds? I, I have a guess I have a guess. It seems to me that God used shepherds for this job because He wanted to make sure right from the beginning that it would be understood everywhere for all of time that Christianity was for everyone. It wasn't just a big shot religion. It wasn't just a, a high caste, high power, upper class, you know, be in the know. In the, no, it was for all of us. What was happening on this world when God sent a Savior happens in such a humble way that the world actually begins to dismiss it. 
The shepherds were a class of people who stayed in the fields for months at a time. Staff did a lot of research on this matter of shepherds last year. Uh, the, the shepherds, uh, Alan, some of you guys who've been to Romania, have y'all, uh, uh, y'all, did y'all encounter the shepherds in the fields? Yeah, they'll be out there and they'll have a big axe with them and a uh, big stick with them. You, you saw the shepherds and uh, they'll stay out for months at a time with no proper bed. They'll stay out months at a time with no proper bath. All of their functions will happen outdoors. It's a, it's a very rustic uh, kind of cowboy way of life. It's not easy. Uh, when you think of the shepherds, the Christmas card people tend to drive theology in America. I mean, if you see it on a Christmas card, it's got to be real, right? Uh, I can challenge you on this because you've never seen a Christmas card with women shepherds. Uh, staff did extensive research last year and it said a lot of the shepherds in ancient Israel were women. And uh, it's very likely, very likely, that there were men and women in this group of shepherds. You say, well, why did God choose them? God chose them because shepherds understand the feeding, the care, and the protection that's required of a shepherd. God chose shepherds because shepherds are people you can trust with a flock. They'll endure some hardship, and they'll protect, and they'll feed, and they'll make a connection. Say a personal connection with every sheep, but they really do. Even Jesus begins to talk about this in the New Testament where he says, I call my sheep by name. I know them by name. They hear my voice. They know me. Uh, Andrew came home with his dog here for the holidays. We call her the grand puppy. When the grand puppy came home... Uh, we swear she's got half a human brain. I mean, she can understand English and uh, smart as a, as a whip. She knows all of our voices, uh, who, who's talking to her. She knows commands. I'm fascinated on TikTok. Uh, until they ban it, I'm going to use it. I love TikTok. And uh, there's a dog on TikTok named Bunny. And if you've ever encountered Bunny... The owner taught the dog how to talk with buttons. Uh, and they introduce a button at a time. And it's like, yes, no, bunny, mama, potty, water, food, uh, scritches. I want my head scratched. Scritches. You know, they got little buttons. And one by one, they taught this dog how to talk. And uh, uh, the dog will just walk in and, and the woman will we say, good morning. How are you doing, bunny? And bunny will go over and say, Love you. I mean, the dog can talk. If I wax uneloquent, just get right on TikTok now and you can just check it out. Uh, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, uh, these shepherds had quite a connection with their sheep. I think in America we've turned what I'm doing right now into very much of a commercial, professional, uh, build your brand kind of thing. And I want you to know that I'm privileged to be your pastor, and I'm privileged to know your name. I'm not a face on a screen. I'm your pastor, and I love you, and I pray for you, and when you're hurting, pick up the telephone and call me. And if you need help and I can't get there, there's a team of people who will come and help you. We love you. You are real people, and we are real people, and we want to connect in a relationship. 
Because that's our interpretation of what it means to be pastors and shepherds of God's people. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no such thing as doing church without personal relationships. This way and this way as well. So let's all just be open that in 2023 we're going to have to learn some new names. There's some people in this room you don't know yet. And so you're going to be okay with having some strangers at your dinner table. And we're just going to open our lives And if you're those new ones coming in, let me just say to you, our lives are never too full to receive you. You have a place in our lives. You have a place in our church family. And uh, there's no inside and outside. It's just all of us together. That's why I think God chose shepherds. Because shepherds love sheep. God chose them because they understood what he was about to ask them to do. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, Paul waxes eloquent on this, and I won't read the whole thing, but basically it just says this, God chose foolish things just to mess with the world. Because that's just, the, listen, if you don't think God's fun to be around and clever and witty, right there. God says, sometimes I just want to mess with the man. Can you hear Gabriel say, but sir, you are the man. Yes, I know, but sometimes I just want to mess with the whole system. And sometimes I just want to shake it up a little bit and take people that nobody would expect and just do something fantastic through their lives just to shake up the whole power structure of the world. So let me just bring this right down to you tonight. You may feel tonight like you're on the margins of society. You may consider this world so big that you're irrelevant and, and you don't matter. But I want you to know if the Christmas story does anything, if it debunks any myth, it debunks this one. It tells us that God sees people. He cares about individuals. And no home is too humble. And no family is too poor. And no family is too insignificant that God won't come and visit a family if they'll open their home to Him. God cares about you. He takes account of you. He acknowledges you. Now, whether you've acknowledged God or not is a whole other matter. Whether you believe in God or not is a whole other matter. God believes in you, and He takes note of you. And I think many times as I look back on my life and what I know of your life, I think God's been working on our lives even when we are ignoring Him. And He was weaving us through the obstacles and bringing us to the place He wanted us to be. Leave here tonight knowing this, that your family matters. God has always been looking for a family to work through. And maybe your family is the one He's wanting to work with right now. Our lives have meaning tonight because King Jesus came to this world. God became a human. He came not only to forgive us of our sins, that's a big part of it. But He he came to heal the whole planet. He came to make everything new, is what John said when he wrote Revelation. Behold, I make all things new. I want to just change this whole thing to get back to what got broken in the very beginning. God's way of fixing this world was to send a king. Most often we call him a savior, a redeemer. Someone who would do something for us so profoundly that it would change our lives and this planet forever God knew that it would require a sacrifice and Jesus would not only be willing to give a sacrifice he would be willing to be the sacrifice the writer of Hebrews is talking about priests 
And he said, the world's very familiar with priests and sacrifices. Well, let me just read it for you. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Sacrifices could never take away sins. But when Jesus, this priest, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now what's being said so profound in the Jewish world, of course it was written to the Hebrews, so they got this immediately, priests don't sit down. It was part of the thing of a priesthood. When you went in to minister, you had to stand the whole time you were serving, kind of like I'm standing here and you're sitting. The people would come and the priests were always up and always moving and doing their thing. They weren't allowed to sit down during their shift. It was quite exhausting work to be on your feet all day. Maybe some of you are on your feet all day and you get what that's like. This was the priest's job. But the Bible says about Jesus, he offered one sacrifice for sin and he ascended to the Father and he sat down on the throne. That sitting down is very significant. What Jesus is saying is exactly what he said on the cross when he bowed his head. It's finished. It's done. Mission accomplished. God has now done what was required in order to redeem you from your sins and in order to rescue planet earth and in order to create a humanity, new humanity in order to guarantee a resurrection from the dead. He both died and rose again. It's done. It's finished. In other words, that sin that you committed last week, that sin that I committed last week, that sin that weighs on our minds and on our hearts even while we're trying to come in and worship and sing sometimes. That sin was paid for by Jesus Christ. You don't need to carry it around any longer. You need to let it go. You need to offer it up to God and say, God, I want you just to put my sin under the blood of your precious Son. I confess it. I ask forgiveness. And according to 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness, and He will cleanse you if you will only ask for it. These shepherds were in a, between a rock and a hard place now. You see, it's the shepherd's job to provide the sacrifices for Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just right next to Jerusalem, what Keller is to Fort Worth. It's just right here together. And Bethlehem was famous for its shepherds and its sheep and its fields. And when they needed sacrifices in Jerusalem, they brought them by the tens of thousands out of the folds of Bethlehem. Big flocks, shepherding is a famous vocation in Bethlehem. David's from this place, the great shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, the, the psalmist in the field watching the sheep. So for thousands of years, this area is famous for providing sheep and lambs for sacrifice. Listen, when Jesus is being born into the world, you realize the world's about to be out of the sacrifice business here in about 30 years. And so these people that received the angelic host, these people who are asked to be witnesses to the first Christmas, they, they've got a few decades to retool their vocational skills because the sheep business is about to be over. The sacrifice business is about to end in Jerusalem because this man, Jesus, once for all offered a sacrifice and you and I will never be called upon 
to bring a lamb. You and I will never be called upon to kill an animal in order to appease the anger of God. All of God's wrath was poured out on Christ. It'll never happen again, and you'll never have to be involved in that. It's already happened. Now, when the shepherds are figuring this out, can you imagine your boss coming in and saying, Hey, I've got some good news. Something great's happening with the company. You'll be out of a job soon. That's kind of what's happening here. Something wonderful's happened for the world. God has sent His Son. You're going to be out of a job soon. You know what? It didn't seem to bother Him too much. I think it's much like when Jesus came to some fishermen. And He said, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. I think on this night the angels are saying, don't get upset about the ramifications of this announcement. You are shepherds. I will make you shepherds of men here very shortly. We're going to switch your vocation up. Now let me talk about what it means to be a pastor. It's, a very, it's the same word as shepherd. I was driving through Fort Worth one day and I saw the El Pastor, uh, Iglesia something something. Uh, when I'm down in Mexico doing cohorts, uh, it's such a connection with those people. Uh, pastor, pastor. Pastor, they're saying to me, shepherd, shepherd, shepherd. It's the same word. And I know you look to me as shepherd and to the people that serve as your ministerial staff here tonight. But I want to say something to you about this, to to pastor. Pastor is not a title. Jeremy says this very cleverly as he studied it. It's not a title in the New Testament. It's a verb. It's something you do. No one in the New Testament called themselves pastor. Instead, to pastor was to give spiritual care to someone. To pastor is to care for someone. To pastor is to feed someone. And I want to remind you tonight of our stance here at Cornerstone. Every one of you who loves God's people... Every one of you here tonight who protects God's people. Every one of you here tonight that feeds and disciples God's people. I count every one of you, men and women, as fellow pastors. You are co-workers with me in the ministry. This is not a top-down thing. We are laborers together, side by side. And I know you... Understand the difference maybe between what I do and what you do, but I want you to know in the eyes of God, if you're loving and caring for God's people, you're pastoring. That's what it means. That may be your own kids right now. It may be your grandkids that you're pastoring. It may be your disciples that sit at your kitchen table once a week that you're pastoring. I want to challenge you tonight to pastor well, because when God entrusts that responsibility to you, it's a great commission that God has given you. Here come the Christmas singers, Luke 2, 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. Yeah, a UFO hovering down in the middle of the night. Uh, creatures stepping out that are not human. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings, good news, that will cause great joy to all people. Today in the town of David, this is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby 
He already presupposing you're going to go check it out. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I need to state for the record, for those who are listening around the world right now in foreign countries, that the Cornerstone congregation actually believes this to be factually true. We actually believe there are angels. The Bible talks about these created beings, that they are created independently. They have an independent existence from us. They are not humans. They are something else. Could we agree on that? I don't know how to classify them. A terrestrial is somebody that lives on earth, right? And somebody who doesn't live on earth is called a... See, now you, now you messed with everybody because they're like, oh, you believe in E.T. No, I believe in angels. But they're not earthbound. They're not human. They're not necessarily made for earth. They have independent existence. They have certain functions you see being revealed in the Scripture. And yet they are involved with w- what God is doing on planet earth. You'll find God often dispatching, uh, another word for angelos, is it's messenger. You'll see God dispatching them for messaging. You'll see them protecting God's people. Thank God for our angels that protect us, that God has sent and kept us so out of harm's way while we're driving down I-35. And, you know, every time I see a board fly by the windshield and a rock go by and a car over in my lane... I just think sometimes I can imagine the heavenly host just kind of, you know, just pushing things out of my way a little bit. And I'm thanking God for the care that He's giving us. When God's doing great things on planet Earth, He often invokes the care of these angels. Uh, It's not a shock to me that they would be involved in the Christmas story. Why would they miss the biggest event that's about to ever play out on planet Earth? On Christmas night, they sang when the infinite Son of God was snuggled up in Mary's arms. They sang as the omnipresent Son of God became incarnate in a human body of a little baby. The hands that hold the world are only about this big, and all those fingers are curled around one of Mary's fingers. It's it's mind-blowing. The angels are bending near to see the sight. They sang because the Son of God was now a human. The Word has become flesh. God has become man. That's why they shouted, Emmanuel. God is with us. That's why the Father said, Name Him Jesus. He will save His people from their sins. Let me plan for our next few songs here very carefully. Singing is born from our emotions. Singing was never intended to be without emotion. Singing is an expression of emotion. Singing should always be connected to emotion. If somebody sings without emotion and you're the audience, you'll know it. It'll just be dry mechanics. And if somebody is feeling what they are, I saw an artist singing the other day and tears were coming off of her face. And I thought, she's feeling it. She's feeling it. Crowd is going wild. They were going wild because she was feeling it, and it was being expressed in song as she gave a beautiful performance. Our singing is to be born of emotion, so when you sing in a few minutes, let's sing with joy tonight, because God has done the thing He always promised He would do. He sent a fixer. He sent a Savior 
who would come and be king of the world, but first he must suffer. And he was gladly willing to do it in order to become the king that you needed. On this first Christmas, the angels sang, and they sang a unique song that was written in heaven. They sang glory to God in the highest. They sang words that expressed what they could appreciate. You see, you've never seen God high and lifted up on a throne. You've never seen the seraphim and the cherubim. You've never felt the ground shake at the cry of their voice, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But the angels have witnessed that. So when those angels saw that God in that manger, they said, Our minds are blown. And they could sing a song that you can't quite grasp. We'll try. But they can grasp it because they saw it in a unique way. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, let me tell you what else may not be fair then. Tonight, we're going to sing our own unique song. Because in all of God's creation, you're the only thing He died for. He died to redeem you from your sins. I don't know if Spot will be in heaven. Maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe, maybe God will resurrect all of our pets and we'll enjoy them all. I don't know. But I know that's not the locus, that's not the focus of God's mission. God loved you. And He died for you. He redeemed you. And that gives you a unique song. Do you realize that's a song the angels don't sing? They've not been redeemed in the way you have. So you've got a unique song. And I just want to challenge you tonight. When you sing about God and His saving grace, sing it as if it's your song because it's unique to you as a human that God redeemed on planet earth. The angels are going to sing. We're going to sing. And then the Bible says an angel made a little proclamation here. I, it didn't name the angel, but I, it could be Gabriel. He's already shown up in the Christmas story several times now when God has like special FedEx, he wants delivered. He tends to turn to this angel and say to him, Gabriel, go and deliver this message to Mary or Joseph or whoever. But an angel, maybe Gabriel, bursts forth to the shepherds. And at his appearing, strong, brilliant, powerful, bright light at night, powerful voice, the shepherds are terrified. And the angel says, those famous first words from a heavenly appearance, fear not, fear not. I want to remind you of this tonight before we leave because even though it's a great time of celebration, I know a lot of people hurt at this time of year. A lot of people will have their first Christmas without a loved one, first Christmas without a grandma or grandpa, or first Christmas without a very close relative. And that's hard. It's hard to celebrate Christmas when you and your wife are going through some real issues in your relationship. It's hard to celebrate a Christmas when you're fighting with your parents. It's hard to be joyous and overflowing when there's tension in our lives. So I just want you to hear the words from heaven tonight. Fear not. There is a way to work all of this out. There is a way to move forward. Let the fear that you're feeling dissolve in the light and the radiance of God's love. 
It could be that God has brought us here tonight to remind us that the turmoil we're in is just His way of breaking into our lives, and now He's going to show you the way forward. It's a great time to reflect tonight. Luke says, Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. They were praising God, and they are saying, and here comes the Christmas song that they're singing. It is a song glorifying God that you just sang a few minutes ago. Their words were glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God in the highest heaven. That doesn't mean it's this many light years away. It's a type of language that says exalted. He is the highest exalted one. Glory to God in the highest because Jesus has come to Bethlehem. God has kept His covenant. He has sent the King that we needed. Our forgiveness and our transformation are possible now. Everything God wanted for us is possible. I think they're singing because Christmas reveals the genius of God. This whole story is something so genius that God did for humanity. And they expect him to go be the king here very shortly. Instead, he goes to the cross, blows their minds again because they can't imagine that God's king would suffer and die instead of going to rule and to reign. Christmas reveals the mercy of God. Christmas reveals the love of God. Here's the song they say. Glory to God in the highest. Listen to the next phrase. Peace on earth. Now, this should really challenge you tonight. This peace on earth bit of the story glory to god in the highest and on earth peace the old old versions say peace on earth now immediately when i hear peace on earth if you're like me we struggle because we have watched the news we have got out and about and seen the condition of the world a little bit we do understand what the real situation is here on planet earth pestilence and disease and inflation and recession and influenza and civil unrest and distrust in government and everything's 30% more expensive. Uh, That's kind of the situation we're in right now. And people look at the world tonight and they're like, where is peace on earth? God, you said peace, angels saying peace on earth. Where is peace on earth? Pastor, show us. I'm glad you insist. I can and I will. Here's where peace on earth can be found. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom His favor rests. Is there peace on earth? Yes, there is. You say, where is it? It's in the lives of those who know Jesus Christ. God didn't say that the birth of Christ would suddenly end all war. God said the birth of Christ would now bring peace into the heart of everyone who puts him in a relationship. If you know Christ tonight, then you have inner peace. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding flood your soul. You say, well, I've heard the story, but I don't have the peace. Yeah, Jesus came to be the Savior of everyone, but you can hear the story and never benefit from it. The only way to benefit from the story that's being told is you come to the Savior with all of your submission and you say, my life, Lord, I give to you completely. You're now calling the shots. Lord, I bow the knee and make you Lord and Savior of my life and I accept whatever you say. 
you're in charge. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. You approach Jesus like that tonight, you'll know a peace that you've never known before. The Holy Spirit of God will come and live in your heart. Your account will be washed clean and you'll walk a new walk. And in the next days, God will begin to transform your life to be like Jesus Christ. There's where peace is found on earth. Tonight, Christmas is God's offer to you. That in Jesus Christ, there is something that can be found nowhere else. In Jesus alone, you can find forgiveness. If you're not one of His sons or daughters... I want you to find him tonight be able to walk out of here with your head held high knowing you're forever a son of God or a daughter of God and just carry that peace with you to your home. At this time of year, sometimes people will say to me, Pastor, how do I know that God really loves me? Let me close with this. In 1 John chapter number 4, it says this, This is how God showed his love among us. Y'all help me. How did he show his love? He sent his one and only son that we might live through him. That's how he showed his love. Let me ask you, did God send his son into the world? That's God saying to you, I love you. You may think you're on the margins of society. You're not more lowly than a shepherd. And if God would regard them, he regards you tonight. He sees you. You matter. And God has sent His Son in the world to say to you, I love you so much. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're going to light candles and sing in just a moment. Before we do, let's pray together. I want you just to think about the Christmas story we've told tonight. The song of the angels. The humble lives of the shepherds who became God's messengers. Next Sunday, I'll tell you my favorite part of the Christmas story, the Magi. But tonight, I want you to think about what was said. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, tonight, would you be willing to say, okay, okay, God, I can hear you talking to me. I'm going to give this a shot. If you're here tonight, you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want you to pray with me right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or make a speech or anything like that. Just right where you are. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want you to pray with me right now. I'll help you with the words. There's no magic formula. It just has to be a sincere prayer from your heart. Try, try something just like this. Dear God, God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I know you know that, but I need to tell you tonight, God, that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I can't save myself. And God, I just heard all over again tonight how much you love me. And the proof was that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. So God, the best way that I know how tonight, God, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. All of them. And wash me and cleanse me. Jesus, I believe your sacrifice on the cross was the payment for my sins. And I want to thank you for giving yourself to die for me. No one would have done that. 
Thank you so much, Jesus. Lord, tonight I want to give my life to you completely. From here forward, you call all the shots. Fill me now with your presence. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And be with me the rest of my life. Lord, from this moment, I consider myself your child. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me tonight on this Christmas service. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to say to every Christian right now, Christians, sometimes after we've been saved a while, we kind of take control of our lives back. We gave, gave our lives to Christ, but then somewhere along the way, we just kind of take the controls back into our own hands and we forget He's the one calling the shots. Christian, can I challenge you on this Christmas Eve service? Right where you are with your head bowed, would you say to Jesus Christ, Lord, I'm sorry. I've taken control of my life. I give it to you freshly tonight. I rededicate my life to you. You're 100% in control. Lord, give me spiritual ears to realize when you're talking to me. And Lord, whatever you say, that's what goes. You're 100% in charge. I called you Savior years ago. Lord, tonight freshly, I want to call you Lord, Master of my life. I can't do this without you. Don't want to do it without you. Thank you for giving me a life worth living in Jesus Christ. Father, bless your people tonight as we sing about the special, special event of you becoming a human. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you all over again tonight. We love you. We're so honored. We're so proud to be called your kids, your family. Lord, as this family sings, you come and just warm our hearts with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand.